listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today, we're going to begin a new series called Greater Expectations. Greater Expectations. And as I was thinking about the series, I started thinking about life and just how life is just full of expectations. There's so many expectations that we have as we go through life. You know, when we are babies, we expect someone to feed us when we cry. It's just, as soon as the baby cries, they expect someone is going to acknowledge that cry and someone is going to react to that cry and feed them. When we're children, we expect to get a toy every time that we go to Target or to Walmart. We, we just expect it. Or when I was growing up, it was Kmart. We didn't have, we didn't have Target as some of these spoiled kids have today, right? We had, we had Kmart. In the little town I grew up in, not only did we have Kmart, but we had TG and Y. Anybody familiar with TG and Y? Turtles, girdles, and yo-yos? Yeah. I don't have no idea what it stood for, but that's what we said. Um, that, was a, that was a poor man's Kmart. When we're in high school, we, we, accept to be accept, we expect to be accepted by certain friend groups. Or we expect to make the team, or we expect to make the club. When we reach young adulthood, we expect to meet our spouse. We expect to get married, and and we expect to live happily ever after. After we get married, we expect to have two and a half kids, a potty trained dog, and then a three-bedroom, two-bath house. When we retire, we expect to have no mortgage and the means to travel the globe as we wish. That's what we expect, right? And those are just a few of the expectations that we have on life because life is full of them. As a matter of fact, some of you, you left your house this morning with expectations on how this day is supposed to go. You actually walked into church today with expectations of, on like, this is what I want them to sing. This is what I want him to preach about. These are the people that I want to show up and I want to hug their neck, shake their hands, say hello. You had expectations as you showed up here. And in life, we, we develop this mental picture of, of hopes and dreams and we expect them to turn out just as we had desired. And when they don't, then we are faced with disappointment and sometimes we're faced with hopelessness and it really, really puts a damper on on faith. And I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid that life's disappointments cause us to lose our faith. Because if you've ever, and you have, if you've ever gone through a disappointment in life, um, it's like a little, little piece of your faith dies with it. Maybe you're still waiting on Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. And there's some disappointment involved with that, right? Or maybe you settled for Mr. Wright now or Mrs. Wright now. And now there's some disappointment with them because they're not quite what you thought they were going to be, right? Or, or maybe you were overlooked for that promotion or, or, or you were not acknowledged with a raise. And, and, and there's some disappointment involved with that. Your, your marriage that was made in heaven, now it's going up in the flames of hell. And you're like, why? Why? What's going on? 
Why, why is life so disappointing? And, or maybe you've reached that place of, of your golden years and you want to retire. You want to, but you can't afford to retire. And you can't travel because you still depend on that income. And, and you will not be able to survive. And it's disappointing. And, and disappointment happens, church. And, and with each little bit of disappointment, a little bit of our faith dies along with it. And so if you're not careful, you will go through life, a life full of disappointments. And by the end of life, you have no faith left. And so what I want to do today is I want to I begin this series and, and try and raise our level of expectancy like, like maybe there's just more for the believer. Maybe there's just more for the child of God. Maybe there's something more that God has in store for us that we just haven't tapped into yet. And what if, what if we could just raise that level of expectancy today and we can walk out of here once again full of faith? What if, what if? Matthew chapter 8 is where I'm going to be reading from today. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to be reading quite a few verses this chapter is just packed full of some, some faith-filled moments. Matthew chapter 8. Let me begin by reading verses 1 through 3. It says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean? Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. How many of you are just waiting for Jesus just to say those words right now? I mean, that would be nice, right? Like, Lord, Lord, if you are willing, if you're willing, heal me. Heal my situation. Heal my hurt. Heal my pain. And Jesus looked at you and say, I am willing. Jesus continued. He said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Instantaneous, just like that. Leprosy was gone. A, a, a skin condition that this guy had been living with just cured, healed in an instant. Let's go down to verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who are following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. So he looks at his Jewish followers who are being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And he tells them, none of you who are God's chosen people, none of you have the faith of this Roman officer. I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. But I see it in this man. Verse 13 says, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, <clears throat> go back home because you believed, somebody say believed, because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed that same hour. We'll go down to verse 14 now. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. 
But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then Peter was ticked off because he healed his mother-in-law. No, it doesn't say that. <clears throat> it doesn't say that at all. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all. Somebody say all. He healed all the sick. Not some of the sick, all the sick. They brought them to him. He healed them. Everyone. All. He healed all the sick. Let's just pause just for a moment because at this moment, our faith should be soaring, right? I mean, <clears throat> we just read of some instances here of, of miracle working power through the hands of Jesus Christ. This is faith building. Jesus has healed a man suffering with leprosy. He healed the Romans, uh, Roman officer's servant from a distance because of the faith of the Roman officer. Jesus healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And that night he delivered many demon-possessed people and all who were sick that were brought to him. He healed all of them. What an exciting few days. I mean, there, there's just, uh, this might not even be two days worth of, uh, of activity, but just an exciting moment. And, and if, we, if, if we could just be in situations like that, I'm certain. I'm certain if we could see what they were seeing, I'm certain that our faith would soar, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> if we could just be in those moments and see what they saw, I, I, I just wonder. I don't think we would have any doubt, right? We would never doubt if we could just be in those moments. If we could just see what they saw, what they witnessed, then, then, then we would never doubt. Verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Go down to verse 23. <clears throat> then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Anybody ever felt like Jesus was sleeping during the middle of your trial? Those that just raised your hand, you're like, did I just admit that out loud? Yes, we did. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. How is it? That men that witness so many miracles could live in so much fear. I mean, we're still in the same chapter. For some of us, we haven't even flipped the page in our Bible yet. They have just witnessed all of those miracles, but yet they find themselves in a boat with waves crashing, storm is raging, and they are full of fear. They didn't hear these stories from others. They did not read about these in a book. This was not secondhand information. They were eyewitnesses to the miracle working power of Jesus Christ, yet they find themselves in a boat scared to death, fearing for their lives. Of all the people, how does fear find its way into the hearts, into the minds of firsthand witnesses that are still in the same chapter of the miracles? How does it happen? Maybe you've seen this, this acronym before. For fear. False evidence appearing 
real. Anybody ever heard that before, that, that acronym? Yeah? It really would be good for you to show me hands of anyone because this is a useless sermon or you know, illustration here. Okay, so some of you, yes, thank God. I was about to go back to the drawing board. False evidence appearing real. Maybe you have this saying on your favorite coffee cup. You know, that way every morning you sip your coffee from your coffee cup that says fear, false evidence appearing real. And you sip it, you know, as a daily reminder that there's nothing there to fear. And so you're just like, it's false evidence appearing real. And, or maybe it's a, it's a picture hanging on the wall at your grandmother's house. And you walk in and you see fear, false evidence appearing real, and it just builds that faith for that moment. Or maybe you've got the t-shirt, you know, some of you women like wearing those t-shirts, and you've got that, that t-shirt that says fear, false evidence appearing real. Or, or maybe, maybe you're one of those diehards, and you've got the bumper sticker on your car that says fear, false evidence appearing real, and you're preaching it to the world, right? You cut that guy off in traffic. He's, he's fearful in life. But it's false evidence appearing real, right? Well, I'm going to mess it all up for you right now. Because that's garbage. That's bad theology. I, don't, I, I hope you're not mad and you're not angry and like, you know, you go to grandma's house and you're like, I'm never going back because I believe that sign right there and I don't believe the preacher. But I'm telling you, that throw it out. Get rid of it. No one loves a good... Acronym as much as Rocky McKinley. Trust me, I do. I live for them. But there's no truth in that one at all. And it's almost offensive for people who's gone through some stuff. Oh, maybe you haven't gone through enough yet. Live life, you'll get there. False evidence appearing real? Tell that to the man with leprosy that his leprosy wasn't real. Or tell that to the Roman officer's servant who was dying in his bed. You tell him that that, that situation wasn't real. You tell Peter's mother-in-law who was burning up with a fever that her temperature was fake. Or tell all the families of the demon-possessed people that Jesus delivered that their struggles were not real. I mean, they were destroying their families' lives because of the, 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 the demon possession that happened in, inside of them. And, and, and you tell those families, you tell those wives, you tell those mothers, you tell those fathers, you tell the children of those people that that wasn't a real situation. Or, 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 or just tell the disciples who are stuck on a boat in the middle of a storm while Jesus is sound asleep that, that the wind and the wave are false and they're not really there why don't you tell them to their faces that their evidence wasn't real tell that single mom that's just struggling to put food on the table why don't you tell her that it's not real that it's false evidence appearing real oh it's very real to her or, or tell the husband that just lost his wife to another man that it's not real Tell that child that just lost their mother. Or tell the parents of a child that's diagnosed with cancer that it's not real. You believe what you want to, but the evidence is very clear and it's very real. And when the winds of life and the waves of uncertainty are crashing in on your boat, I promise you it's very real in the moment and there's not a sign, there's not a coffee cup, there's not a t-shirt, there's not a bumper sticker that's going to make it any less real. 
when they looked at us in 1996. We got married in, in August of 1995, but, but just a few months later in, in 1996, when they showed us a tumor on scans that was cancerous, I'm telling you, the evidence was very real to Mandy and Rocky McKinley. Don't tell me it's not real. It's real. Those chemo and, and radiation treatments is very real. The uncertainty is real. The unknown is real. The pain is real. And the problem is not whether or not the evidence is real. That's not the problem. The problem is that fear and faith can't coincide. That's the problem. Jesus never said that the storm wasn't actually there. He never looked at his disciples and said, it's all in your imagination. The wind is not really there. The waves are not really there. It's like you're stuck on the Truman Show or something. It's not really there. It's not real, you know. It's very real. It's very there. And the problem is that you can't have fear and faith at the same time. And in response to their fear, Matthew 8 and 26, Jesus responded and he said, Why are you afraid you have so little faith? Which shows me that when fear is there, faith is not present. He looks at them in a very real situation and he says, Why are you afraid you have so little faith? He didn't tell them that the wind was not real. He did not tell them that waves crashing into the boat were not real. It was very real, but so was their Jesus. Their Jesus was very real. That's why they had to go wake him up. It wasn't that that all that had transpired in in, in chapter 8 fell on deaf ears. No. Their storm was very real, but so was their Jesus. So they said, we've got to go wake Jesus up because we've been watching what this guy's been doing. And if there's any chance of surviving this, Jesus has to be in the mix. He's got to be in this situation. So it was very real, but so was Jesus. And fear and faith are not contingent upon how real the pain is or how real the circumstances are. Fear surfaces at the moment that you see your very real circumstances as greater than your very real God. That's where, that's where fear comes in. And we all fall victim to it sometimes, church. I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you that I don't ever feel this. I certainly do. But it's all about the perspective. It's all about how we are going to see things, how we are going to see the very real circumstances, and how we're going to see our very real God. Because fear surfaces at the moment that you see your very real circumstances as greater than your very real God. Listen to Psalm 34 and 3 as David writes. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He says, magnify the Lord with me. How do you do that? You exalt his name together. Let's do this thing together. Let's exalt the Lord. You you can't make God any bigger than what he is. And for years, I struggled with this scripture because I'm like, God is God. It doesn't matter what, we can't make God any bigger. He, He already is great. We can't make him any bigger. But what you can do is you can raise your level of expectation. You can change how you see God. That's what you can do. You can raise your level of expectation and you can change your perspective of how you see God because perspective changes everything, especially as it relates to faith. I'm going to ask you to do something with me because it's just fun. Everybody wants to do this. Like, I, I can take my finger right now, Rob, and I can squish your head. Like, no, too late, bro. Too late. 
And you move a lot farther than what I have to. I mean, just, it's just centimeters for me, man. And I'm just squashing there. Just go ahead and do it. Try it. Try it. Just, oh, you're, some of you in the back, you're far enough away, you can get all of me. Like, just, just do it. Just, it's so much fun. Just try it. Like, just squash some heads. Yeah. There's some of you right now, I've been waiting to do this for a long time. You hard-headed mules. Yeah, this is good. Some of you are trying to figure out if I'm focused in on you. If you're wondering, yes. The answer is yes. But you know what happens. It's all about perspective. And the closer you get to me, the bigger I become. Right? The closer you get, the greater the object. God seems small and insignificant when we have pushed ourselves away from him. But the closer that we get to him, we begin to realize his greatness. Fear comes when we fail to recognize God's greatness. When we magnify the Lord, it's us drawing closer to him and it changes our perspective of his greatness. It's not about magnifying God. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great. It's about changing how we see God. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. The reason why some of you are having a hard time with life right now and you can't go through life with faith, and and I say this from experience because I've been there and and I reserve the right to be there again because I'm human. I'm going to show up there again. I promise you. But when we just allow circumstances to become greater than our God, in, in our perspective, your circumstances will never be greater than your God. You understand that, right? It's all a matter of pers- perspective. That, that's what it is. Perception. It's, 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 it's how you see it. How you see God. How you see him compared to your circumstances. And, 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 and he said, you know, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You haven't exalted the name of Jesus. At the moment that you start abandoning all the thoughts and all the cares and all the concerns and you just start singing his praise, you start lifting your hands, you start shouting his praise, you start clapping your hands. At the moment you start exalting the Lord, that's when all of your problems, all of your fear, it's it's going to have to subside because it cannot stay in the presence of how great your God is. And think about this. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. That's what he wants to do. Still kill and destroy your faith. Maybe he knows that without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. So what he does is he throws very real circumstances. I hope that ministers to someone today because I'm acknowledging your pain. I'm acknowledging what you're going through. And so the enemy throws very real circumstances at your life to try and derail your faith. And the only one that has the ability to change the outcome, our God. And it's time that the people of God stop elevating the greatness of fear and we start raising the level of our expectation in our God because our God is able, our God can. And faith is is simply waiting in expectation. That's all it is. That's all faith is. That God, I'm going to ride this storm out knowing that you can and trusting that you will. But, But pastor, you and I both have gone through circumstances That God didn't answer.
How do you describe that? How do you fix that? How do you reconcile that in your mind? Whether or not God ever does it the way that I want him to never diminishes the fact that God can. He's proven himself through history. This, this history book right here tells me that there's not a circumstance in life that I go through that God can't fix. I, I know. I know that our God can. I know that he can. Maybe it's not up to me to reconcile it. In human reasoning, I want to. And that's where disappointment starts coming in, and that's where fear begins to set in. But, but, but if we, if we, God's people, if we would just let faith arise in simply waiting in expectation, it doesn't mean that the evidence is not real. It just means that I wake up every day expecting God to move. The psalmist said in Psalm 5 and 3, he said, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I wait, expect every day, God, I wake up and I present these needs to you and then I wait expectantly. I have expectation, God, that you're going to move every day I wake up. Let me tell you, you got homework. You got homework for this week, for the rest of this week, every day of this week. What a great way to start it right here on the beginning of our week. For the rest of this week, I want you to, to practice Psalm 5 and 3. I, I want you to practice every morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, you hear my voice, and I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly every day of this week. I want you to do that. Because that's how you push fear to the background, and you let faith rise to the front. We used to sing this old song when I was growing up. And I don't know how many of you know this song. If you know it, I'd love for you to sing it with me because um, it, it's just, it's better when we exalt the Lord together, right? Let's exalt his name together. So if you know it, sing it. If you don't, the words are going to be up on the screen and you can move your mouth and just act like you're singing it even if you don't know the melody, right? So Tim, if you'll hold up just for a second because I'm, I'm going to sing this. You ready? We used to sing this song when I was growing up. It says... I know my God can do it. Do you know it? Anybody know it? I know my God can do it to him. There's nothing to it. I know he'll see you through it. Sweet victory. Even when storms are raging, he is the rock of ages. I know he is able. Mighty is he. And I remember us singing that song. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And we exalted the name of the Lord together. We magnified the Lord together singing. I know my God can do it to him. There's nothing to it. I know he'll see you through it. Sweet victory. Even when storms are raging. He is the rock of ages. I know that he is able, mighty is he.
I know that my God is able. Church, I know that my God is able. I know that my God is able. Section one, I know that my God is able. No, you'll cheer louder for a potluck party than you will. I said, I know that my God is able. Section two, I know that my God is able. I've set you up. Like, it's teed up. Section three, I know that my God is able. Trenton campus, I know that my God is able. And you might as well get ready because they're about to blow the roof off the prison. FWRC, I know that my God is able. Amen. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of life say. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter the doctor's report. It doesn't matter that there's divorce papers. It does not matter. None of that matters because I know that my God can do it. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.